Hey everybody, Jim Kerr here. I am so psyched to get into this program today with my guest, Callie Williams-Yost. She is a leading authority on high-performance work flexibility, visionary workplace futurist, a strategist, an author, a keynote speaker. She does it all. Additionally, uh, Callie is the founder and CEO of FlexPlus Strategy Group, a solutions uh, company that helps organizations unlock performance and engagement by reimagining how, when, and where work is done. It's this background that makes Callie the absolute outright best guest to tackle this question on today's episode of the Indispensable uh, Conversation. And the question we're going to explore is this, should achieving work-life balance really be the goal? It's an awesome question to get the year started. And I just want to say welcome to the show, Callie. Thank you, Jim. It is great to be here. So let's jump right in. Um, Callie, should achieving work-life balance really be our goal? It should not, Jim. And I'm going to tell you why. Because it doesn't exist. And if you keep searching for balance, you will be disappointed because there is no such thing between a magical 50-50 split between work and life. <laughs> so it becomes a deficit model, the thing you do not have, which we're never going to get anywhere if we're working away from something, right? You have to work towards something. And what I learned many years ago is there's a lot of magic in trying to find your work-life fit. And... Um, that fit is going to be different for everybody. And it's something we have to manage day to day, especially in this increasingly flexible work world, which gives us a lot of opportunity to fit our work and life together mm -hmm. in a way that works for us and for our jobs. Um, and I just think there's a lot of power in looking to what is possible versus what we cannot have. Yeah, you know, I, I'm with you. And, you know, everyone has many experts aspects of their life right so it's not just work mm -hmm. and everything else it's it's work and it's you know it's fitness it's family it's friends it's finance it's all that stuff right and that work's gonna so fit true. yeah work's gonna fit in there too um what do you think are some of sort of the best practices to use to make sure that this fit can be found so again, it's understanding the degree of flexibility that you have in your job. And I bring that up first because the more flexibility you have, right, the more opportunities you have to think about how and when, when and where you fit work and life, all those pieces into, the, into a whole. Um, so look at that. And then what you want to do is you want to step back and create a combined calendar. Okay, so my second book, Tweak It. I studied people I call the work-life fit naturals. These are people I would go, I would find in organizations that we would be helping to create flexible work strategies in. And these would be people who would almost be mystified why we were there. Like they'd be like, I, I, this is not, why is this so hard? And um, in just studying them, I learned they do some basic things that most people do not do. So the first thing you're gonna wanna do is have this combined work and personal calendar. Now people, who like things separate. Now, this is why it's, again, we go back to work-life fit. There are people who like things separate and there are people who like things all mushed together. They're integrators. Mm -hmm. But that calendar can e either help you intentionally integrate your work and life or it can help you intentionally separate your work and mm -hmm. life. So the work-life fit naturals always keep their, kept their work and personal to-dos in one calendar. 
And they were very intentional week to week to identify the small, meaningful actions and priorities that they wanted to get done at work mm -hmm. and in their personal life. And then they literally thought through, okay, when am I doing it? Mm -hmm. Where am I doing it? How am I doing it? Who do I have to coordinate with? And then they put it on their calendar. So you know, it's small things like that that ultimately over time add up to accomplishing most of what matters to you. Because the other lesson I learned from the naturals was you have to celebrate success. I was, I'm pretty type A person. And if I committed to something, I'd want to do it. And then if it didn't happen, I'd feel really bad about what I didn't get done. And they were almost, again, these people were sort of confused as to what I wasn't getting. And they'd say, you know, if you got 70% done of what you committed to, that's better than nothing. And You'll do it again. And over time, it all kind of happens. And I thought, this is where we have to be intentional. And when we're intentional and we break things down into small, doable tweaks, things will get done. And it won't be perfect, but it will get us to where as close as we possibly can to what it is that we want. And it's our work-life fit. I know, Jim, we were talking about this beforehand. Mm. So import important to mention. There's no one right way to do this. Right. And um, we're all different. So how we do it in a way that works for us is what matters. Yeah, I mean, you know, back to that whole notion, we've all got the challenge of fitting all of what we we, we want to do in a 24-hour day. So yep. that that seems to be the, the one reality that we have to live with. Um, but life is life and work's part of life. So we need to figure out how to integrate those, you know, in a way that works for us. Yep. Which kind of leads me to that next question, you know, um, isn't much of, of sort of the successful integration relying on us first knowing what's important to us and setting mm -hmm. priorities based on that and then focusing energy on those quote unquote right things, how, whatever your right things are, you know, that I guess makes them unique to, to each one of us. But is that kind of part of this equation? What do you think? It is. And this goes back to the level of intentionality that we now have to bring to all of this. We didn't have to think as much about when we worked and when we managed the other parts of our lives, kind of back in the day when it was, well, you go to work nine to five, Monday you know, through Friday, and that's when you worked. And then every other part of your life was for your life, right? But those boundaries have disappeared. And yeah. that is can be overwhelming. But again, it also can has a lot of possibilities that you could begin to take advantage of. Yeah. Um, maybe there isn't such a rigid model you have to fit your work and life in and um you have to be intentional though you have to identify the things that matter what's important at work and that's where hopefully you have a manager who is prioritizing with you and helping you understand what that looks like but then on the other side what's important to you in your life and making sure you're grabbing those elements and making sure that they are happening in a way that mm -hmm. helps you feel like you're achieving what you want to um it's funny after all these years they're there seems to be some common themes that people share that matter to them most. A lot of times it's exercise is the top thing, but then it's also just downtime with your friends and your family, mm -hmm. travel, paying your bills on time, you know, really little things that you wouldn't think in isolation matter, but when they're happening consistently, they really do make a difference. Yeah, you definitely feel it when you miss them. <laughs> you yeah, <know>? Exactly. So, <laughs> um, which kind of, I don't know, I, I guess it seems like, and you referenced this earlier in, in our conversation this morning, but it seems like there's a fear of making a mistake mm. in here. You know, like, what if I don't get the balance I should get? What, you know, what's good look like? Um, I 
that person over there seems to have it. Why can't I be like them? And do you think, you know, fear of failure sort of locks us into some of these bad situations that we're in and, you know, we feel like we're stuck and we can't gain any control over this, you know, fit. Well, so this is, um, that's a great question. And I, it goes back to something I wrote about in my first book, which is workplace life, finding the fit that's right for you. We have to be as flexible with our personal definition of success as we are with the way our work and life fit together. Mm-hmm. And that definition of success has to align with what it is we're trying to accomplish. And the four areas that I found people need to be thoughtful about are prestige, advancement, caregiving. What's the fourth one? Prestige, advancement, caregiving, and um, I'll think about it. Coffee. Anyway. Uh, coffee. coffee. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So but those are the areas that people tend to get stuck in. And if you start to compare yourself and all four of, uh, there are three that I mentioned today, but there is a fourth, I'll think of it. Um, and all four of those areas of success don't align with what you're trying to do and you're comparing somebody else, their definition of success is not yours. So I think we don't talk about that enough. Um, You know, I was thinking about this the other day when I read um, a story about Jacinda Ardern Mm -hmm. deciding she wasn't gonna run as prime minister of New Zealand. And people were, oh, she can't have it all. It's like, you know, I think she's just redefined success for herself. I, I, I think, She's just going to reset her work-life fit. I am sure she is going to keep working. I can only imagine she's being flooded with offers to be on boards and mm-hmm. committees and also I'm sure she'll be very busy yep. and speaking engagements, but she's going to have a different fit. She's not going to have the prestige of being the prime minister and that's okay, but maybe sure. she'll make a lot of money speaking or she'll contribute to some international committee that is that is important to her. And that matters too. So she can't compare herself now to say another prime minister, right? She's got to say this works for me. Right. Yeah, no, and, and I, I I love the analogy. I think it's a great example of somebody that's kind of taking control and basically making choices. Yep. And making the choices that are the right fit, quote unquote, for her, right? Yep. We saw Rachel Maddow kind of do the same mm-hmm. thing, right? Stepping away from five days a week yep. to one day a week and looking at sort of special projects and stuff as a way to do yeah. it. And part of her reasoning was health. You know, yeah. she felt like she was burning out and she's had some back problems, I guess, and and so on. And um Oh, it's money. Yeah. They're well, giving what, advancement, <laughs> prestige and money. There we go. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's sorry. Like, I knew there was a fourth one in there. Like, and it's pretty obvious. Okay, that's the other one. Yeah. Well the thing anyway, <laughs> and I like that one as a fourth one. It's it's somewhat of sort of like the dirty little secret, you I know, know that right? no one really wants to talk about. But but that's part of the equation. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got to decide like how important is that compared yep. to everything else. And we're making quote unquote sacrifices, you know. We get to define what that term means too, by the way. So yep. a sacrifice for you may be different than a sacrifice for me. Exactly. But we're, we're kind of playing that up against um, the value of money and, and what role does that play in our lives and how, how much importance do we want to place on it. One of the cool things with both of these, I think, in regard to that was, you know, with, with Rachel Maddow, just as a for instance, she didn't turn around and say to her employer, oh, I need work-life balance. So you right. got to change the requirements of this job so I have more work-life balance. 
I think it's kind of unreasonable to expect that from an employer. But what she did say was, I don't choose to do this job anymore because I understand the requirements of the job yeah. and, that, and those requirements don't fit for me. And I would, I would guarantee she also came to them with some ideas sure. of what that could look like yeah. and how it could benefit them and how it could benefit her. And so my first book, Work Plus Life, is about how do you propose a formal reset? And that's what she basically did. Yeah. She said, look, you know what? I need to work differently. Um, here's a proposed idea for how this could play out for me, for you, mm -hmm. how it works. And then you go from there. And she didn't lead with, I need a better balance. She led with, here's how I propose that I change the way I'm working for you. Right. And then that allows her then to have the fit she's trying to achieve. Sure. And that's what people don't know how to do. You know, we, right. as I always say to people, really, how does a flexibility strategist write two books about work-life fit? Well, that's because I would see organizations increasingly offer flexibility, mm. but people did not know how to reach out and grab it. You mm. need to grab it. Right, right. You need to leverage it. Yes. And your boss take, does not take know. Control. Yeah, your boss <laughs> does not know you're Rachel Maddow, you're burning out, your back is bothering, and you, you right. need to change something. They don't know that. Right. So right. you have to start that conversation and you have to come to the table with a plan. And then you need to know how to redefine your definition of success so mm -hmm. that you feel good about what you're doing. And I'm telling you, nine times out of ten, it is a positive reception to that conversation. Sure. They yeah. don't know how to do it, right? Right. And then the second book was, how do you then manage your work-life fit day-to-day? Those mm -hmm. small shifts and how, when, and where you're working so you stay well and you're you're performing at the level that feels good for mm -hmm. you. And, you know, all of this is a set of skills that we're not taught, mm -hmm. but we all now need to have to truly be our best in this day-to-day this -day and at major life transitions. Yeah, absolutely. And, and kind of with that, and this is a great uh, segue into this next question, you know, don't we need to kind of get better with that word no? <laughs> you know, don't we need to figure out how to, to use that simple two letter word to our advantage? Yeah. What's your take on fitting no into this picture? So I think there has to be more intentional planning at work. I just don't think there's enough prioritization happening. I don't think there are enough regular check-ins. I just don't think, I think there's just too much randomness in the process mm. that again, may have been fine when we were all, okay, I go to work at nine, I leave at five. I know but since we don't do that, um, I do think there needs to more, be more opportunities to co-create or mm. co to agree jointly as to what we're going to do. That being said, you are the only one that knows when you've got too much on your plate. Mm -hmm. And you do have to respectfully raise your hand and say, I'm sorry, this it cannot be added to my plate unless mm -hmm. I take something else off of my plate. And can we just figure out what that looks like together? Um, you know, no and no further conversation can be a little off-putting in an organization. Sure, yeah, but, no, right. but no as a, hey, I got to just raise my hand here and say, this is not going to be able to work the way right. things are going. How can we figure it out and take a real problem solving approach to saying, maybe this isn't important. You know, that's the other thing. Right. Sometimes things are not that important. Right. And just having those conversations have to happen a lot more than they are. Yeah. I mean, I, I think learning to say no kind of begins with knowing when you're supposed to say yes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's part of the same continuum, I do believe. Yeah. And, and once we know that, again, understanding and reinforcing our own priorities, mm -hmm. which, which is kind of what you just alluded to, is, yep. is essential. 
And then you can use both of those words, yes and no. Correct. You know, in the right way. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's appreciated. Again, I feel like if we're more in an ongoing conversation with each other, I always come back to our foundation. The foundational question of all of our work is this. What do we need to do? And how, when, and where do we do it best? Mm-hmm. And if we're, if we're consistently revisiting that question, what do we need to do? What are the priorities? What matters? What do we do now? What do we do maybe three months from now? Mm-hmm. And then how, when, and where do we do that best really does allow for not only an organization to benefit, but the person to be able to be their best as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to kind of go back to something we started with. You alluded to it, I do believe, and I and I feel like it's part of the challenge that so many people have with with this topic. And it's around sort of viewing the work-life balance ch- challenge, if we want to call it that, as a zero-sum game. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that's the wrong mindset that's not the way we should be thinking about this this whole thing and you know it's not a competition between work and the rest of your life right and so many people think of it that way you know it's everything else and work and you know i think it gives you it gets into this sort of false belief that i've got a if i subtract something here i get to add something there and it's not to me a pure your way of thinking about it. I don't know. What, what's your take? Well, first of all, I think it's not consistent, right? Meaning mm. different times you're working in different ways. Your life yeah. is different way. Like each day could be different. Each So I think to have it so fixed in your mentality is not helpful, first of all. Mm-hmm. And also it's not just about time, right? It's about optimizing when you're at your best. It's about, op- yeah. you know, there's there's elements to this that when you think of it as very rigid and um, to your point, something that gains, something that takes away yeah. and you're not stepping back and saying, you know, what matters to me most and optimally, when do I do it? How do I do it? Where do I do it? And just, you know, trying to find that optimal fit between all those elements that yeah. lets you feel like you're achieving professionally, but also making all that matters to you in your personal life happen. And remembering that very, very, very small things make a big difference. It's, and it's funny. I always laugh. People are, people are like, oh, you know, I need, to, I need to find a better way to manage my work and life. And I'll say, so what is it that you want to do? And it's so simple. It's like, I'd like to go out to dinner with my friends more. Or I'd like to tuck my kids in at night. Or like, mm. okay, so how did we do that? Right? right. And just those small things, they feel great. That's, yeah. that's, if I got to the gym a couple more times a week, I'd be good. Yeah. Okay. How do you right. make that happen? Right. Right. Instead of feeling like, oh, you know, it's this big thing. Um, oftentimes it's not unless you're Rachel Maddow and you really <laughs> do need to fundamentally reset things. But for the most part, most of us day to day, it are, it is about those small, meaningful priorities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's shift gears a little bit to the leaders uh, and what they need to be thinking about. Um, Are there any kind of ways that leaders can recognize in their staffers this struggle? Oh, boy. Now we're getting to the leadership question, which is a whole (laughs) big question. You know, I think at the end of the day, it's doing the best you can as a leader to help people understand what matters to help them prioritize, 
and then give them the ability to think through how, when, and where they're going to get those priorities done most effectively. Mm-hmm. And make sure people understand that you're fine if they have to leave early to go to their child's soccer game, or you are fine if they want to take a two week vacation, or you are fine if they want to come in mm-hmm. a little bit later on Tuesday and Thursday because they have to go to yoga or they're going to sign on a little later to Zoom on Tuesdays and Thursdays because they're at yoga. You're fine with that. Mm-hmm. You can't do that for them. I mean, this is the right. hard part, right? Sure. Is I've had leaders, many, 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 many leaders over the years say, I would be fine if they had done, I just, I can't make them go to yoga class. I can't mm-hmm. make them stop. I, I, I can tell them as a norm in our team, we should not be expecting people to be communicating with each other after a certain time, unless it's right. an emergency. But then if you keep doing it, like, right. <clears throat> so I think leaders need to make it very clear that they are supportive, that as long as the work is getting done, mm-hmm. it works for them. If there's some bigger change somebody needs to make, please come to me and let me know. But setting the tone and even yourself, I mean, this is this sounds kind of silly, but it does make a big difference. Mm-hmm. If you yourself as a leader go to your, your child's soccer game or you yourself as a leader mm-hmm. go to an exercise class or you as a, yourself as a leader make sure that you're eating healthy or you're shutting down at a certain time or you're that goes a long way to giving people permission to do the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really is where it all begins. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I do a fair amount of coaching in my practice these days and, you know, I have uh, a real driver driver type that I'm coaching yep. at the moment. They kind of asked me, you know, is how do I know when I'm burning these people out? And I started to point to, you know, you'll see a decrease in productivity. You'll see yep. people taking time off for quote unquote emergencies because um, they can't ask for vacation. You know, right. <laughs> uh, the, they'll be taking work home and doing it 24-7, so too much over overtime. And then you'll notice even like stress signals, right? Like they'll yep. be impatient or have a bad attitude or check out in meetings and, you know, you'll call on them for an idea and they don't, don't recall the conversation, you know, because you're so stressed out. So, so those are the things I feel leaders really need to keep an eye on. And if they can model the behavior like you just described, where they take the exercise class or they take time off to be, you know, at a family event, then people will model that. Yep. And I will tell you, um, this is one of the reasons work-life fit is so important. Okay. As a concept, because as a leader, you may have a work-life fit that works for you. Okay. But you have to be open to the fact that not everybody in your team can work the way you work Mm -hmm. or manage your life the way. And this is where I had the aha about work-life fit is years ago, I was sitting with a senior leader talking about, again, we're going to execute flexibility to help your people balance their work and life. And he just shut down. He was like, Mm. I could say I've lost him. And then I started working harder. I was like, it's not about balance. It's, oh, he said, every time I hear you say the B word, all I ever think about is working less and we have so much work. We can't work. Sure. We can't do that. So that's when I said, no, it's about how you fit your work and life together. And he sparked up and he said, oh, I got it. I have a work life fit as a leader that's not, that's going to work for me, but that's not the case for all the people who work for me, right? So I bring that up because even if you work differently in a way that works for you, let's say you're Mm -hmm. a super big early bird, okay? And so you're giving people, 
well, you could do send later, but let's say you get <laughs> and you send emails, right? Or you are up on Slack at five o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you notice all your people are responding Absolutely. to you at five o'clock in the morning on right. Slack. Okay. You need to say as a leader, hey, this works for me. Okay. This is when I like, I'm better in the morning. I'm, it's cool if you do not get back to me on this stuff right. until later. Right. You have to be willing to point out the way you're doing things is not necessarily how you expect others to work mm-hmm. either, without feeling bad about the way you do it. Okay. Right. It, it, it doesn't mean you're wrong. Okay. Yeah. It just means you have to be very thoughtful and intentional of the signals you're sending to your people. I mean, you know, one of the problems I think people who struggle with this um, get, I don't know, a lot of bad advice. I think there's a lot of sort of self-appointed gurus in this space that kind of tell them, you know, schedule time off, uh, make sure you find a hobby, uh, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And my thought is sometimes that's a little uncomfortable for someone who's getting bombarded with that messaging, you know, because they're like, well, I actually kind of like working hard. I get a lot of energy from my work. Um, That's great. You know, like now I need to get a hobby. If I don't have a hobby, I must be, there must be something wrong with me. You know, I I think there's a lot of that going on. Yeah. But as long as it's working for you, right? Like if you're fine doing what you're doing, keep doing it. That's great. The challenge begins when you're not great, when you aren't healthy, when your relationships are suffering, when you aren't as productive as work at work as you could be, you are burning out. And if you're a leader, you're setting a tone for people who work for you that they cannot maintain and manage Mm -hmm. and not giving the signals that this is me, but I'm open to, here's the work, here are the work priorities. Let's prioritize together. And then let's make sure we're coordinating with each other. But otherwise, how do you need to yeah, do this? You, you do you. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, that's really, really important. Yeah. But I agree with you. That's why you can't. Everybody's different. Like, there's yeah. no right or wrong. Right, you know, right. it's, it's, as long as it's working and everybody's able to coordinate with each other, that's what matters. No, I, I think that's really good advice. Solid. You know, as we wind down, do you think that a shift in mindset is appropriate you know do you you know i guess more specifically are uh, where does sort of practicing self-compassion fit in to all of this where where, where are you on that first of all a hundred percent on the self-compassion especially after the last three years i just want to high five every single person who continued (laughs) to work and have a life and try to figure all this out during covid it has been brutal and I think every leader should applaud the people who just overnight radically disrupted yeah. the way they worked overnight. Right. And in some cases, people working in very dangerous circumstances mm-hmm. that, you know, that's a lot. Yep. And parents who didn't have childcare and I mean, it was just so much. So be good to yourself. If you're tired, if you're burned out, if you're feeling, you know, if that's why. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now you have the opportunity to say, all right, so now how can I do this differently? Mm-hmm. What small, meaningful action could mm-hmm. I take and make sure that I'm doing the things that I need to do so I can kind of recover from all of this yeah. and start to move forward? Um, collectively, we should just, I'm giving everybody a high five. But yeah. now also saying, this is an opportunity to ask yourself, what do I need to do and how and where do I do it best? What matters to me? And start yeah. to take action. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the center of of practicing self-compassion sits with getting rid of the notion of perfect perfect 100 perfectionism i think once we get past that and we stop trying to be perfect with this we're trying to stop trying to find a perfect quote-unquote balance then we can actually enjoy every moment that we're in including those moments when we're at work yeah right? absolutely <laughs> absolutely and i do think that there are more opportunities to find a way to work that is going to be optimal for you. And mm -hmm. that's one of the good things on the other side of COVID. Mm -hmm. um, the new mo there's no rigid model in a lot of situations and the models being created. And yeah. think about what that looks like for you. Yeah, we get to invent it to a certain yep. degree now. We do. So, so last question, Callie, and, th and this has been a terrific conversation. I wish we could go on the rest of the day here. <laughs> um, but what, what advice would you give uh, the folks that are listening in now and watching us? What, what, what's your best advice on this topic? My best advice is to think about what your work-life fit looks like. If you had to think about just a few small, meaningful actions, priorities that you would schedule on your calendar that would make a difference, try that. Just start with two or three yeah. and go from there. Yeah. Um, ask your boss if they have not already, and or if you are the boss, engage in more of these priority setting conversations. Sit down mm. together and say, what really matters? What do we have to do? And then be open to thinking about, you're right, we get to create this new model together now. Mm -hmm. This is historic. And begin yeah. to think through how and where do we do that best to give people the flexibility they need to be doing their jobs well, but also have the parts of their life that make them feel good and um, put those boundaries up, maybe in better ways. That would be very helpful. Yeah, you know, I love it. And I, and I really like the thought of, of leaders trying to help people see what good looks like with this mm -hmm. and, and doing some of those things for themselves. Hey, great way to end it, Callie. Thanks so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Jim. I'm looking forward to, uh, to more uh, of the conversation happening on LinkedIn. So me too. Uh, join us there and, and so long for now. Take care. <laughs>